everyone, and welcome to The Paper Fold. I am your host, Sarah. In the stationary market, there has always been a real demarcation between the product itself and what goes on behind the curtain. I think for the first decade or so that I covered the industry, I was so immersed in learning market players and about the product itself that I never really took much time to consider the most important ingredient of them all, paper. Fortunately, my guest today, Jill D. Nicole Antonio, has years of experience as a paper rep at the Millcraft Paper Company, think Dunder Mifflin. And during that time, she has had the opportunity to truly learn the true potential and pitfalls of this deceptively simple medium. To that end, she founded a service, Parson Parcel, to serve as your personal paper consultant, no matter the project. As Jill puts it, great design doesn't require hip clients, unrestricted deadlines, or unlimited budgets. Those are luxuries few have. But great design does require thoughtful execution of all the details. And that, of course, includes paper and production. The parcel and the swatch box are two of many services that Jill offers to elevate any design project from acceptable to extraordinary. And she's here today to explain how they came to be. Jill was also the first person I personally am acquainted with to have had COVID-19. Jill had it early on last spring, and although she was not tested because there were no tests, she was presumptively treated. You know I've got to talk to her about that too, and it's all coming up right after this. Hey, paper peeps. So by now, many of my listeners are familiar with the force of stationary nature, better known as Girl with Knife. But if you aren't, time to change all that. From the first moment I spied her booth at her New York Now trade show debut in 2019, I was smitten with this cutting edge range that the world was calling out for. We all just didn't know it yet. Everything is nimbly collaged to life, slice by careful slice by the talented and exquisite Alicia Castaldi. This stylish collection of cards, journals, and notepads that have sprung to life under this fashionista's exacting knife is sharp, snarky, sleek, and occasionally very sweet, just like that BFF who would love to hear from you right now. For that reason, whenever I get my hands on Girl With Knife merchandise, I hoard it and use it most sparingly. Alicia recently launched Gift Wrap, and if you're already a fan of her range, you're familiar with her patterns and quality, but these super thick sheets elevate any gift from Off the Rack to Atelier. Her recent releases of Midnight Botanical, Rare Creatures, and Chase and dreams bring the total styles that slay up to 10. And if you're like me and that you fall in love with a range and want to reside in that world, you're in luck. Alicia recently unveiled Knife House, which was one of the few good things I can think of that came out of 2020. 
That was when Alicia shifted her operation from LA to this newly renovated concept home in Palm Springs. This completely private, walled and gated estate features panoramic mountain views and countless Luke's surprises. Take a tour through its magnificent blush pink doors at www.knifehousepalmsprings.com or find it on Instagram at knifehousepalmsprings. Good luck getting your jaw off the floor as you take in this perfect California adult playground. These glamorous digs are available for photo shoots, film projects, special events, and short-term rentals. But just as importantly, all that exquisite Palm Springs flora and fauna have inspired Alicia's soon-to-be-released journal and notepads. She tells me that they're also expanding into home decor, which I, for one, absolutely can't wait to see. So now that you've glimpsed this wonderful world, you need this cutting edge lifestyle brand in your life. Find Girl With Knife in hundreds of shops across the US and half over half a dozen countries. Alicia and Girl With Knife have also been featured in New York Magazine, LA Business Journal, BuzzFeed, and of course, Stationary Trends. I've run her work there countless times. Alicia was one of our 10 designers to watch in 2020 and proceeded to live up to that designation when last May, two out of her three nominated cards took CHOP honors at the Noted and Noted Virtual Greeting Card Competition. Then, for our winter 2021 issue of Stationary Trends, Alicia designed the 10 designers to watch frontispiece for us. It is something else if you haven't seen it yet. Also, as of 2021, Alicia is represented by none other than the Daniel Richard showrooms in Atlanta and Dallas. Dan's eye is renowned in this biz, so his representing Girl with Knife is unsurprising, but it also means that this brand needs to be on your design radar stat. Check out this beguiling range at the recently refreshed girlwithknife.com. Right now, the theme is Season of Fierce, and I think we can all use one of those about now. I guarantee your stationery will slay. Hey everyone, I am back here with Jill. Like me, she is a Clevelander, and since we both work in paper, I'm a bit embarrassed we did not get acquainted until maybe five years ago. I've already explained a bit about Parson Parcel and its mission to inspire, educate, and empower. Jill's brand works hand-in-hand -hand with her, for lack of a better term, day job at Millcraft Paper, where she is Director of Creative and Brand Engagement. In that role, she focuses on ways to engage, connect, and support the print and design community it serves. Welcome, Jill. Hi, Sarah. Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you so much for being here. So can you please take me through how you first came to see the need for Parson Parcel? Sure. Um, so it's so funny because uh, I feel like looking back now, it's 2020. And I want to say I had the kernel of this idea back in like 2009. Um, we wow. were on the tail end or maybe in the midst of the Great Recession. And I was working my day job at Millcraft. And doing um, so, Millcraft is like the Dunder Mifflin of, of the paper world um, for those that aren't familiar with what the paper merchant is. So um, I was doing that. And honestly, I was a paper rep and I worked with graphic designers, uh, helping them identify, you know, good papers for the projects that they had going on. And 
and digital right, because so, I'm sorry to interrupt yeah. because the wrong paper can ruin a project and oh, oh, oh. yes that's that's being polite I mean you know it's like you wouldn't leave the details and we can get into this in a, in a little bit but you wouldn't leave the details when you're when you're doing anything creative let's say a house like would you leave the details to the general contractor like okay we've we have worked with an architect you know the design's beautiful I don't really care about the materials on the inside. Nobody would do that. You shouldn't right, do it with right. print, you know, like. Right, right. Like we just hired, <laughs> we just hired a custom contractor, but you know what? I don't really care about my counters. Like <laughs> exactly. he can pick them out. <laughs> Whatever works best for you, you decide. No. And so that's kind of how I, I try to, people that are not comfortable and familiar with paper specification to get people to understand about, understand and think about it. Cause I really do believe it is kind of like, Prince superpower, but it's kind of like a secret superpower. Those that are in the know, their work just resonates and you're like, wow, how, why? Um, it's that subtle supporting element to really great print design. Um, right. Right. And it's, and it's essential and it elevates a good, it elevates a good design into great. It, and it elevates like a great design into spectacular. And, um, and I mean, I am not as knowledgeable about paper weights and which paper is right for foiling and which paper is better for engraving or um, digital or, you know, what have you. And, um, and I'm sure depending on the usage, that brings a whole other. It does. Set. It does. I tell people like, you know, design is a full-time job. Um, rely on relation, build relationships and rely on your vendors, your paper vendors, your print vendors. They, they go deep in it for you. So work with them. Like you don't need to know it, but you just need to know the right resource that will help guide you through that process. Right. 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 So a lot of your services uh, that you offer through Parcel and Parcel are built around the subscription model and um, and thus somewhat allow social distance protocols to stay in place. So let's start off with the parcel. Can you take listeners through it, um, what it is and, and how it and how it works? Sure. So and I'll tie in. Um, a little bit about your previous question because I don't think I answered it, but it sure. ties into what, no, 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 it ties into what the parcel is because I think um, really it, it's taking all the things that a consultant and in my case a paper rep would do for you if we were working one on one and you were you were in a bigger agency or a corporation and in house creative there where you had access to all these great resources, many freelancers, um, smaller. Uh, Smaller design studios, stationers, everybody wants, again, to, to produce beautiful print, but they don't exactly know the ways to do it or have the access to the resources to do it. Um, so the parcel was the physical manifestation of everything I did as a paper rep. And how could I get that into the hands of the people that really want it and need it? And so, um, you know, once going back to that 2009 mark, um, and, and really it, it was web 2.0 so you had blogging was just becoming big social media was just starting out and once you once you started to get or at least for me started to get active in on those platforms all of a sudden it's no longer i'm just talking to my customers in cleveland or northeast ohio or, or ohio it's coming in from everywhere and the need for like help uh, can you recommend a paper do you know a good printer 
what do I do? I want to achieve this effect. I don't know where to begin. I'm like, wow, there's really a lot of people that don't know what to do. They're struggling. So that's kind of how the idea came about. And then it was like, well, how do I take what I'm doing here in Cleveland and get it to people in a way that's going to make sense? And really it is just inspire educate and then empower like show them what's possible because you don't even know what's available you don't know what you don't know right until you see it so it's kind of like through print beautiful um print samples paper samples like this is what's possible um every sample in each parcel so it's um we've elevated the boxes for it over time but really you know it's it's like any other subscription model birch box any other model so this really beautiful box and the idea behind it was that it would not only be pretty and functional and kind of speak to ooh, paper as an element of design but also be used as a way for creatives to kind of um, have a more organized system of hanging on to their samples I happen to have a whole room where I throw have all my stuff in but I laugh like I work with the team at Progressive Insurance here in Cleveland and they've been parcel subscribers since day one I was visiting them in person and she opens up her file, the big file cabinets. And it was so cool to see all the parcels from the beginning. Like they're all different colors. I'm like, oh my God, you cut the boxes. She's like, they're gorgeous. Why wouldn't I? And we use them to like the letterpress samples go in this color box. And and I love that. Like that was the thought and the intention behind it. Um, so that idea that it's more than just a thing or a product. But then within it, there are usually five to seven print paper samples and I've got a little hang tag. I call them the liner notes. Like if I were sitting Mm -hmm. down with you and showing you say Mohawk's new maker quarterly, right. Or their, their recent, um, Oh gosh, the recent make with Mohawk campaign. And they did, I'm trying to think of the name of that. Now I'm blanking, but um, it was the recent one featuring letterpress. Like I would literally walk you through what I think are some of the highlights of that. Well, I include those little, special notes in the liner notes. So even though we're not physically together, you can read those, go through. Um, Sometimes there's an interactive element, um, whether that's a QR code or augmented reality, but literally showing you what is possible when you know how things are produced, the resources. If if I know the printer information, I will include that in there. So um, creatives can know like, oh, wait, this printer does digital silver metallic ink, huh? I I didn't even know that was a thing and that there's a printer that's available to do that. So it's really just letting people know what's out there, what's available um, and in a way that they can relate to like words are one thing, but the visual, Oh, that's what I want. Sure. Sure. And it's, you know, it's the excitement of a subscription box, something you look forward to a beautiful thing to open and enjoy and appreciate But it's also like really educational. Like I didn't know so-and-so came out with this paper and it is, it's very hard. I mean, hard for me to keep up with what, like, what is Um, Nina coming out with? What is is a full-time job. And unfortunately, every time we see these crazy changes in, um, you know, in the economy, just like anything else, paper and and our suppliers are affected because obviously demand dictates supply. And, you know, we're, we're in the middle of, I think we're going to see as we, as we progress through 2021, they call it grade rationalization. So some colors will probably be obsolete and go away. Maybe certain sizes will, sizes will drop off, maybe some finishes. Um, So we're going to start to see, see that shrink a little bit. Um, Uh And it is hard. It's a full-time job. So that's, that's between the parcel, the swatch box, 
um, and the sample studio, we try to make sure that we've got up-to-date resources and it's um, very clearly identified on the website. So even if people aren't sure, they can at least start here and then progress through. Right, right. Right. All right. Well, you mentioned uh, the swatch box. So how does that uh, vary from um, from the parcel? So the swatch box is really, I think it's an essential paper resource for anybody doing print, um, whether they're a letterpress printer, a graphic designer, a stationer, like you need to know what papers are readily available. I think the most frustrating thing, especially when you're working with clients, is you show them something and you have to go back and tell them like, oops, sorry, um, that's no longer available. Inevitably, they're going to want that. And so... <laughs> really? Like, I just designed a whole range around that. Yep. Like it's, it's it, nine times out of 10, it will happen. So the swatch box is the complete collection of all the mill paper swatch books in one place. And... Okay, I'm a little biased. I think their their containers are these really beautifully designed black boxes. I worked with this great agency here in Cleveland. Um, you know, she did all of our branding for Parson Parcel, and it's really just because it's really minimal because it's not about um, the boxes or the brand. It's about what's inside. That's the hero. Mm -hmm. And in this case, so it's a little black box, little cubes. Six of them make the complete set. Little little silver foil on the front, but the lids come off, and you can store the swatch books inside, and that's how we ship them to you. So they would look very discreet on a design studio shelf or at home, you know, in your home office. Um, but it's all the up to date resources, so wow. you know, like, oh, here's all the Nina swatch books, and here's all the Mohawk, and you know, oh, let me pull this color. And then we do have tutorials as well and free resources like how to read a swatch book surprisingly many people don't don't know what's inside one and honestly <laughs> they make your job easy when you understand how to read right it. right it doesn't matter if you have this amazing tool if you don't know how to use it or if you are using it incorrectly <laughs> well exactly and we still honestly we we get it to people i think i don't this might sound harsh not that they're lazy, but sometimes we just assume things right like oh of course it's going to be in an 80 pound cover why wouldn't it be yeah, that particular color and weight or finish doesn't come in that size or that basis weight. So every swatch book comes complete with, with a stock guide. It's usually under the waterfall. And if you lift it up or turn it over, you'll see the complete stock offering from the mill, which means oh. it's, it's made and available. So the, all of a sudden, then your options narrow. And it becomes a lot easier to say, okay, this is going to work. This isn't going to work. Right? Right. Right. So that's that's what the swatch box is. It's just a set of resources. Wow, a bit, but it's a nice. It's nicely presented. It's encyclopedic. You know, it's stylish, and and I'm sure that does. You know, in the design. I mean, I've looked around your site enough. The design is inspiring, and you know, as Aww. creatives, you know, we need we these objects in our light. You know, it makes it just makes a huge difference to have it. You know look like something that was sitting on a dusty shelf of an office supply store versus something that's like, you know, a joy to behold. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, if you're going to print, you should make it, make it matter. And it shouldn't be, you know, it, it should be considerate. Right. Um, and that was always one of my beefs coming from the industry side of things, right. The, the supplier side, the same tools are available, 
but the way in which they're presented isn't always with the end user, the that user in mind. So they're they're not as pretty. That right. sounds harsh, right. but right. Well, and I'm look, we're in the visual industry. Like people like pretty. <laughs> I don't care if I'm pretty, you know, I don't want to look at ugly. I, I want to see pretty things and I want them, to, you know, because honestly we do, I don't know. I'm definitely work from home mode. Like my office has never looked better and I love it. I love being in there. I'm like, Oh, I'm surrounded by all the things that bring me joy. And that in turn allows me to really create some great stuff. Right, right. No, I look, I agree. You're preaching to the choir. <laughs> I can't work. I need a, you know, I've worked at home for years and I, you know, I need my office to look a certain way as well. And uh, I've noticed that like the dynamic really gets thrown off by like who is home with me, <laughs> but that's a whole other, that's a whole other well, podcast. Yeah. So, <laughs> so you also offer the sample studio. Uh, can you can you describe uh, that service? Yes. So the sample studio is really um, it, it is it is it provides mockups, flat samples, dummies. It's really the prototyping stage. So so as a creative, you have an idea of what you want to do. Um, maybe you're working on a on an identity system for a client, right? You're not quite sure. You want to see some different color papers. You want to actually feel the product because it's one thing to look at paper colors swatches on a screen and i think it's great to start there to narrow down but you've got to actually feel it i mean again print is tactile um there's a certain nuanced you know that that element of haptic design like it we register certain things um the minute we we pick up a physical piece and so whether that's the letterhead a business card how many times have you been in an event, well, before COVID, been in a networking <laughs> event, right? And you've exchanged business cards. I call it the thumb test, where you flick the corner of the business card. You don't even realize you're doing it. You're talking to somebody. You are forming an opinion, at least I do. You're forming an opinion about that person and their company, like, oh, this feels really flimsy. Like, what the heck? I, you know, there is something inherent. And I wrote a whole blog about this because we do like nobody likes a flimsy hands, handshake or right. a wimpy business card, right? So it's all those subtle, really, they're the paper attributes. You're not going to know what those are until you actually feel the papers. That's where the sample studio comes in. So you can order um, flat sheets and mock-ups if you're working on, say, an annual report or a book of some sort. And you want to see how that is, how many pages are going to be in something that's bound, right? So it lays flat. So it's doing all the things you expect it to do with you minimize the surprises on press, which is always a good thing. You don't like right. surprises on press. No, no, no. And even, I mean, when you talk about picking a color on screen, a million times I've bought things and thought I was getting it in one color. And then when the box shows up on my doorstep, it is a different color. And, you know, these are not what you see on a screen is not a true representation of life as much as it may appear that way. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. I mean, you know, I'm just, I think I'm an analog person. So like, I think about my own experience, I will go to a website to look at something and it could be whatever the product is, say clothing or something. Um, but I, if I have a catalog, I'm going to that next because I want I feel that gives me a more accurate representation of how the product will feel when I get it, what it will look like, but there's nothing like the real deal. So that's where the sample studio comes in. Sure, sure. Great. Um, so how have you pivoted 
all this um, in COVID? <laughs> I guess that's a million dollar question. So COVID, it, so COVID has been, I'm choosing to look at it as a blessing, um, although it definitely has felt like a curse in, in many ways and at many different points throughout this whole thing. But really, um, parts and parcels. So it's been going for a little while now. And I've been thinking about pivoting for a little bit. And this kind of gave me that moment in time to just pause and like, okay, let's retool and think about what we want to do with the site so that we can make it um, more versatile for where where we are going. And honestly, the one thing that COVID has shined a light on is e-commerce is more critical now than ever before. And I I think offering the paper resources, that is the foundation of Parse and Parcel. Um, and I guess I'll, I'll say in 2019, I, um, I rejoined my friends at Millcraft. And so I'm, I'm doing both and I saw this need and I'm like, wow, the next step, the evolution of Parse and Parcel is to, because we've got this engaged audience and mm -hmm. they're inspired. We're, we work with them in the beginning part of the concepting phase, right? And then they get ready to go to press. They want to be able to buy the paper themselves because nine times out of 10, the printers, it's a whole other side of the supply chain. And that's probably another podcast, but <laughs> let's just say there's a lot of obstacles for them getting what they want. And they're like, can I just buy the paper from you directly? So this is where having the relationship with Millcraft and, and my friends there and the supply chain and the buying power behind them. Um, this pause in COVID has allowed me to kind of retool and we're going to be able to make really great papers available um, on the website. Great. Digital letterpress papers, all of those, all of those different resources, as well as some really fun um you know, I'll call them already converted or um, produced stationary goods. So mm -hmm. just some fun things that we like and that our audience likes and wants to see more of. Right. That is the, is that the um, planner and the topography? Yeah. yeah the uh, Yes. So, so yeah. you created that and you're. Yep, we did. So um, it's my, beautiful. By the oh, way. thank you. I, um, you know, there, Again, I'll go back to the, the parcel is our flagship product and it's about inspiring people and showing them what's possible. And uh, while we, we do that with the pieces that some of our, our mill partners have produced already and then real life projects that other designers have created and we've bought into the runs to share them. But we also see a lot of trends going on. Sometimes we're really early in that cycle. And yes. so I sat down with my team and I said, hey, I wanna be able to, to showcase some things and maybe in a little different way and they'll go in the parcel that's the main reason, but we usually print in a bigger volume. So we have more of it and people were like, I want to just buy this. So it's been interesting to see that sort of open up. It's just, I'll call it the creative outlet for the things we wish existed in the world so we can make them and we do. Right, right. I mean, it's a beautiful, I mean, it's a beautiful kind of luxury to have to, to say, to be able to say, you know, I sort of see the need for this. So I'm going to really thoughtfully create it and then I'll put it out there and see, you know, what kind of response I get from my community. Yeah, it's, it is. It's really a lot of fun to see. And then you get, we, for me, selfishly, I get to test those beautiful papers that I maybe never get a chance to use or use in the way I want to with like a cool foil stamp or production technique. And oh, wow, how does that look? And I don't know. It's just really, it's fun. Yeah, yeah, and it just makes you better at what you yes. do. Yes. So yes. Um, that's that's the real that's the real joy of it. Plus, you get to see, you know, you get to create something else, which is must, which is really exciting. It is. It is. I love the physical. 
manifestation of the idea. Yeah, no, me me as well. All right, well, I'm gonna take a quick break and I will be right back with Jill after this. Hey, paper peeps. So Kitty Meow Boutique has been a fabulous client of mine for a while now. So hopefully many of my listeners are familiar with not just the dazzling wares from this Chicagoland house of paper, but also its amazing founder, a force of nature better known as Catherine Hildner. This mom of two with another scheduled to arrive soon has created a most intoxicating stationary range. I define the Kitty Meow aesthetic as polished and very smart. Think of the sharpest outfit you own that you feel like a million bucks in, but in stationary form. Everything from typography to envelope choice comes together to pack a most enticing punch. But this range is not just about the surface. It's about honoring those connections with those we care about most. And you'll see once you visit kittymeowboutique.com that the wares are divided into witty and sweet because, as Catherine puts it, sometimes you feel a little saucy and sometimes you don't. But Kitty Meow Boutique is so much more than just another pretty face in the marketplace. The empowering messaging found on her cards, invitations, journals, coasters, art prints, and enamel pins elevates the range into something that makes you feel not just seen, but good about yourself too. Everything is essentially a little lift visually and emotionally for not just those you love, but you as well. Not only is Kitty Meow available for your personal shopping needs, it's also available wholesale to all those shops looking for something new with which to excite their customers. She's on FAIR. Visit kittymeowboutique.fair.com and get your shop started. Finally, I think what I love about Catherine most is that she is really all about living your best life, as you'll see for yourself beneath the education tab on her site. She offers KMB Signature Collective, a mastermind for women in the product-based business world who have a love for paper and giftable items, who have an idea and a plan, but need guidance and support to be successful in their efforts. I so agree with Catherine. It's so important to be surrounded by like-minded women and leaders who are willing to put in the work to lift each other up. For that reason, it's not a course. It's a friggin' transformation, people. And Catherine has also started my second favorite podcast, Dreams to Plants, with another brilliant force of nature, my girlfriend Renee, to elevate your daydreams to actual tangible plants. Oh, and if you're on Clubhouse, follow Kitty Meow so you can tune in to her weekly room Wednesdays at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It's called Small Business Savvy, Insider Secrets You Need to Know. I checked it out for myself last week, and it was just the dose of inspiration and confidence my day needed. So get those good vibes going at kittymeowboutique.com and tell them Sarah sent you. We're back. Um, so, Jill, my next question for you is um, 
have you seen your any of your clientele sort of pivoting from what they're producing? And if so, how? Yeah, so this one's been really interesting. Um, COVID has definitely, you know, sort of brought any problems that maybe already existed in someone's business model. It just is like shining that spotlight. And so maybe it was okay before, but there's no room for error now. So many, many, um, many of our customers have pivoted, but in particular, the, the category I'm seeing it the most is among the printers, the commercial printers in general. So we're, you know, and it's print has been under siege for a while uh, in terms of it just being shrinking, but they are pivoting to new and really the technology that I think the creative community have been craving for so long. Smaller run, beautiful techniques, um, you know, digital embellishments. I am seeing more printers using this time to make the capital investments to be able to up their product offering in terms of finishing embellishments um, that are compatible with their digital print technology. Mm -hmm, so like, mm -hmm. it's crazy what you can do now, Sarah, with short run print. There's right. stuff that looks like clear foil and again, silver, uh, gold, metallic inks. Um, there's these raised, um, it's called raised printing, but there's different textures that are being imparted, different finishes. Definitely, cool. It's really cool. And they're do being produced it's, a, it's approachable and attainable for people producing in smaller quantities. Whereas before it would have to be like, oh, you're going to need, you know, like 10,000 pounds. And most designers are like, well, I just want like, you know, a thousand copies, maybe. I, I don't even know what, how many, well, how many pounds is a thousand? Like <laughs> a lot. Yeah. Right? So, no, finally, that's the cool part that I see happening is the production side of things are, are catching up to the demand that has been there for a while by the creative mm -hmm. community. Um, and I think in particular, so I know weddings have been on pause, but I feel like that special occasion print, let's just call it that, that mm -hmm. category. like when we come out of this, the opportunities um, to just blow people's minds creatively. It's not, it was, it was really cool before this, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. but I think that that's going to be transformed. Um, that's great. And so look, I mean, the printers are like outfitting themselves and they're preparing themselves for hopefully this creative onslaught. I, I mean, I've noticed, you know, with, with great horrible global pandemic comes like all this creativity and like yeah. all this amazing work. Like I am seeing everybody be on the top of their game. And uh, so it's nice that the printers are ready. Yeah. <laughs> I will say those that su survive are, you know, they're definitely prepared, prepared for it and, and ready. And, um, and two, I think it has forced businesses to just really take a look at like maybe diversifying what they do. Like, you know, I'll just say at Millcraft, we, We've been known we've started where, like um, Millcraft celebrates their 100th anniversary on December 20th. And there were all these plans for this big centennial celebration and gala, but we've pivoted into all these different, different niches and um, it's been doing really well. Honestly, it's a time when you can really focus as a, as an organization and go deep into something and really become an expert on that. It has served us incredibly well. That part I'm excited because um, I think it's, it's there everywhere you know, creatives print on the supply side, um, paper mills are doing it as well. It's very cool to see. 
That's very cool. That's very cool. So you, I'm, I've got to think that like a large percentage of your time is devoted to consulting. What have you been doing? What kind of jobs have you been getting lately? Like what kind of stuff are you working on? So honestly, there's a lot. Um, yes, I do a lot of consulting, both, you know, through parts and parcel and then my day job with Millcraft and packaging, 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 packaging. Number one thing. And, um, I'm finding so many people are creating the need for packaging. Digital companies are finding a reason to create um, a product or because really and truly, if you think about it, nobody's out shopping. Like you, well, maybe you are, but not to the no, level. Not. That we, <laughs> I know, not to the level that we once were. And while Amazon, um, I think, you know, really stepped up and filled a need, especially early on in the pandemic. I mean, come on. I, I know I'm making a hugely conscious effort um, to support local and via e-com. And I know that that's going to be a challenge for a lot of smaller retailers. But regardless, let's just talk brands. They are creating a reason because, that, again, I'll go back to that idea of haptics, that science of touch to get their product into somebody's hand because you form an emotional connection. And if we can't be together in person or interact with that brand, whether you're, you know, you're in the coffee shop or you're at your local Target, or, you know, where you're actually feeling and touching okay, you're ordering online and it's coming into your home. As a brand, you still want to have that connection with your audience. And packaging just kind of, it really does form that connection with the user in a way. And that's why I love print so much. It is just such a sensory experience. Literally, aside from tasting, which maybe you could do, but it, is, <laughs> it involves, right? Like sight, sound, um, touch, auditory, and... Wait, sight and sound, sight, sound. What did I, I repeat something? Wait, there's five. Yes, sound (laughs) and auditory are the same. Okay, sorry (laughs) about that. No, but even even smell, like, okay, I'm going to totally embarrass myself, but, and I know I'm not alone here. When I get back, um, you know, print samples from a printer, um, the first thing I do, I'm not going to lie, I open up the box. I literally have my nose in there. I hold the piece up and I go, big inhale, right? Like I'm an ink sniffer. I just. <laughs> I, there might be a 12 step group for that. I think, I think perhaps, maybe not in the way I'm talking about, but um, <laughs> yes, no. So it does, it engages all of your senses sure, and that sure. literally there's this whole scientific thing behind it. Um, and in fact, sure. there's a really great piece out there about, about um, haptic, Haptic brain, haptic brand. Sappy did. Oh my God, it's worth a read. I would tell you guys if you can get your hands on it. It's a great one. Okay. But right. It, right. it's a thing. It's a thing. And pa- so packaging. Thing. Packaging is the number one thing I'm seeing right now. And plus, it's it's always been a little bit daunting to, to do, to produce. Um, typically, it hasn't lent itself well for smaller quantities. But again, as digital technology is caught up to the demand for short run print, we're seeing that more on the packaging side of things, whether that's like folding board is what it's called. So, but you know, just think of like a, a, a playing card deck, like it's a, you can fold the card box or a rigid box, like part the parcel is a two piece rigid box. Mm-hmm. Both of those are available in smaller quantities now. Whereas, you know, even five years ago, it would have been a struggle to try to find the right supplier. Now I'd say they're widely available, 
So more creatives are trying to figure out a way we got to produce packaging as part of, of the, um, the brand launch or identity for our clients. Yeah, and right. Absolutely. And look, I, I've been saying now for a while that like getting the mail, you know, the, um, newfound popularity of snail mail is sort of, you know, around these red carpet moments when you get your mail and you want that letter to your friend to show up in a really nice envelope and to kind of, you know, floor them for a moment. Well, look, packaging is the same. If I'm going online and I'm ordering a lipstick and it's like the most exciting thing I'm ordering all week, like if it arrives and it's nicely, you know, and the experience of getting it out of the box and getting it is is memorable and visually stimulating, that is going to really affect me and affect my perception of the brand. So it- 100%. Perfect sense to me. So finally- you were one of the first people I knew personally to get COVID-19. Um, I like went on Facebook last spring and you were apparently like holed up in your room and you were, you wrote that you were going to like, if your, if your temperature and your, your vitals were good, you were going to rise on Easter and leave the <laughs> room for the first time in weeks. And I, like, I saw that you must've done it like a couple days before Easter. And I was like riveted and I, you know, I'm Jewish, so I don't really observe Easter, but I was like, I wonder if Jill's going to rise. So <laughs> I, oh my God, you are so funny. Um, no, like, seriously, I, it, it, oh gosh, I don't know. I, I got a lot of thoughts on this one, but yeah, so I did have um, well, I, let me say I did have COVID. However, it was early in the pandemic. So I believe that I actually contracted it. I'll say around started work from home March 17th. And I think it was that Friday. And the only reason I know it is I remember posting a picture on Instagram. My husband and I, it was happy hour, you know, we're smiling. I'm like, one week down, still smiling. Ask me again next week. Well, so, be careful what you right? wish for. So, and it was funny because you retrace your steps. So it was like end of March, March 31st to be exact, where I started to exhibit symptoms. It, this was a full 10 days before that. Um, when I look back on it, I realized, this is so funny, I was doing keto prior to COVID. And then we went work from home and everyone was all freaking out and hoarding toilet paper. And I'm like, we got to stock up on pantry goods because I don't know if we're going to be able to get out. So just an FYI, that's not necessarily very keto friendly. So pasta and beans, right? I hadn't had those for, for a while. I was so looking forward to having pasta that night. I made pasta. I'm Italian. I made sauce and pasta. I remember eating it and I'm going, this tastes like nothing didn't think anything about it. I was like, like literally to the point I'm going, this doesn't taste like anything. I'm asking my husband, I'm like, do you, does it, what does this taste like? I taste nothing. He's like, you're crazy. Tastes like pasta. Um, so I didn't, didn't think about it. 10 days later, I start with all the symptoms they tell you. And, and literally it was so early on, you weren't sure. Like it sort of felt like, okay, this is the beginning of a sinus infection, but every symptom was worse. And when they tell you it's like the flu, yes, the symptoms for me were like having the flu, but 10 X that like, I would get a headache with the flu, I had migraines, I would get body aches with the flu. These were like, full on like, just my body would tense like to the point where I had to get in the shower, have a heating pad to get it to kind wow. of 
ease up. It was crazy. Chills where my teeth are chattering. And I don't do that. I might get, I, I might have some hot flashes. I don't get chills. <laughs> But, so wait, 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 wait. Let me see if I get this. Right. Okay, um, you lost your sense of taste like ten days ten, before the symptoms. Ten days. So I'll, okay. I'll I'll back up because I think I've I've played this enough in my head that I think I understand it. My husband is a fourth grade teacher, and mm-hmm. we started working from home. It was March sixteenth. March 16th. Yeah, because I think St. Patrick's Day was a Tuesday. Don't ask right. me why I remember that, but I do. Um, so we were both home the same day and I was like, okay, you know, it's fine. I noticed my husband was not himself. He was tired and literally laid on the couch and slept that Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. He doesn't do that. Like, and he looked a little pale and I'm like, are you okay? Like, I'm still not thinking this is anything. I'm like, oh, you don't have a fever. Are you sure you're all right? He's like, I'm exhausted. I just want to sleep. There was a little flu going around his school and like we're, we're coworkers were out for two, two full weeks with the flu, which is not typically usual. And certainly teachers, like we all do it. Like you feel that pressure, like, okay, I feel better. I'm going back to work. Right. 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 Plus teachers, he has got to have a pretty good immune system because he's dealing with all this sick. He's exposed to a lot more than most. He, He really does have a strong immune system, but he, um, that Friday he woke up and broke out in a cold sweat and he was like, Oh my God, Jill, like he, you know, had gotten up early, goes into the bathroom and comes out. He's like, I, I just got broke into a cold sweat. I, something's wrong. I go, do you have a fever? What's going on? He's like, I'm just going to go back to bed. Like a shower. So he gets back in bed and he slept all day, wakes up for dinner and he's fine. And literally that was the day I posted the picture. Like, Hey, ask me again in a week. And um, that night I'm like, I can't taste, can't taste, but I didn't realize 10 days after that. So that was like the the 21st something right, like that, that right. so by the, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. so it was the 31st when I started to have symptoms and I'm like all right let me take my temperature I usually run cold like I'm somewhere in the 97 degree range is my normal temperature I start to see I'm at like 99 going up to 100 I'm like hmm, okay 101 I'm like oh this isn't good. And then all the other things start to happen right and you're like oh and then, then I'm thinking maybe it's just the flu and this sounds so silly, but it was early on in the pandemic. Remember, we, we were just getting bits and pieces of information about how this coronavirus worked. It was not until I, I, I couldn't sleep. Now, the night was the worst. I couldn't sleep. And the oh, my God, when I tell you this comes sound so gross, my fever would spike. Like I'd cycle through this. It's like it would start out 99 and it would go up and I, I would go up to somewhere around 102. I mean, uh-huh. I'd wake up just. Like I got, right, right. yeah, like, like think of getting out of the swimming pool. Like literally I remember waking up at three in the morning, having to go towel off. Like it was, it was so gross, Sarah. And I'm sorry. That's really no, bad. No, 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 no. I mean, this was the experience. This was it. And so I think like, okay, cool. The fever broke. I'm going to be okay. No, it would start again. And it would be like three to four days. And you just start like, for me, I would be around, you know, 99, a hundred. And then it would just keep creeping up, creeping up, creeping up. And I did couldn't get testing at the time. There were no tests. I mean, in Ohio, there was none. I did two teledocs. Both are like, your symptoms are consistent with COVID. You have COVID. And I'm like, well, I, I where can I go? You know, like, where's the drive out center for me to get a test? Well, there are none. Well, where can I get a test? You have to go to the emergency room. Should I go to the emergency room? 
no, don't do that. that. Like literally, that's what I, I said. And they're like, are you having any, any trouble breathing? And I'm like, well, thankfully I wasn't. Like I definitely felt it in my my lungs for sure. That didn't kick in until about day five or six. Like I kept, cause that's all we heard were your lungs, your lungs, you're not gonna be able to breathe the coughing. I'm like, I don't really have this. And then I couldn't really take a deep breath without coughing like that. And I, so, you know, that was, wow. that was crazy. So this is progressing through, like you're cycling through days. It's yes. getting into week. Yes. You're presumpt- yes. You got a presumptive diagnosis. Yes. So, um, yes. And this went on for a good 11 days. And mind you, I, this is, that was my temperature and how I was feeling. And I was on Tylenol straight through. Um, and then it wasn't until I guess around day 11, I said, all right, I feel better. Let me just stop. I'm going to see how long I can go without taking any Tylenol to reduce the fever or whatever. And I was like, Oh, Oh, like my appetite started to come back at that point. And, um, I will say I've never had such a pronounced sense of smell and taste than when I was sick. Like my poor husband, he was a saint. Like, yeah, I don't know. He just did everything. Oh, and then I had like, mind you, I was, I decided this was the year I was going to start growing things from seed. I had this like <laughs> grow lights in the kitchen and all my seedlings. I'm like, you got to keep the seedlings alive. He's like, seriously, Jill, it was crazy. But anyway, he, he did a lot. Like, <laughs> So wait, did he have it? You think he had it? As I do. Well? I think he had it. I think he had it and had very mild symptoms, asymptomatic. Um, his teaching partner had been out the two weeks prior and like really, really sick. Um, and again, it had gone through his building. So I think I got, I likely got it from him. I don't think I got it from uh, work. And I was so like, you know, by the 31st, like, that weekend prior, I'm like, oh, cool. I've been home for two weeks. I am home free. I don't have this. We'll be good. Right? Yeah. Be careful. What oh. you think? So, it's, and were you, me. and were you, you were, were you, you guys were keeping away from each other. Yes. Like, so, yeah, he was like leaving plays of food, trays of food out your yes, room. It was, outside it your room. Was, yes, it was crazy. So that, um, <laughs> but you were I texting remember. them to water the plant. The yes, honestly, I'm serious. It was it was nuts. I uh, it was it was Monday night. I remember. And mind you, too, I think I just had pulled it right. Like it was a crazy time. If you can remember that, we didn't know if the world was ending. Like, oh my god, are all these businesses going to go belly up? Like, I'm just in it. Like, I got to get all this stuff done. I was pulling like 12, 14 hour work days. It was crazy. So I'm sure my immunity was not where it needed to be. I was eating poorly because you're just stressed and who knows. And, you know, you stay. In- you're so worried about toilet paper. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was crazy. And thankfully, too, at some point during all that chaos leading up to it, I'm like, literally, I think we had maybe like not even a quarter of a bottle of Tylenol left. And I was like, oh, my God, if one of us gets this, I don't have any like any medicine like I have no mucinex or any of that stuff so I'm I'm like a crazy person ordering on Amazon and trying to express it in and thankfully it arrived before before I needed it and I I I needed it and uh so yeah it was it was it was it it really was nuts and it was hard because you just didn't know I could remember there were there were points in it like oh my god I'm not shaking this I'm not getting out of it and yeah I was quarantined to my bedroom for two full weeks and um because at that time and I think it's still this way but you know they're like you need to stay continue to quarantine for 72 hours after you have no fever without the use of any um you know NSAIDs Tylenol or, or, yeah 
so and at that point it just happened to be it was Easter Sunday. And <laughs> like, oh, I can finally get out of here. And Sarah, it's just crazy because it doesn't sound like like you're in your house. I'm comfortable. I'm in my room. It, you know, it wasn't whatever. I, you know, I, I I'm not complaining in that regard. But I know, but you were ready to get out of that room. <laughs> I mean, psychologically, I've never felt more isolated in my life, and more like the uncertainty was overwhelming. Like, God, I, you know, like I'm still, and I had like the um. I guess the upper respiratory issues for a mm-hmm. while afterwards. And, and there's still some things that aren't right. And I'm not hundred percent sure. Like, is this lingering from COVID is it's just weird. And I don't know that I'll ever feel good about it unless I can get a full body scan or something, but <laughs> um, hopefully eventually. Yeah. I hope. I mean, I, you know, I just can imagine like, it, you know, it's bad enough to have it, but <clears throat> the things that go through your mind are the craziest, like, because I've had a couple instances where I was convinced I had it and like I would go in my room and lay down and I'm like <laughs> losing my mind. I'm like, oh my God, when does it begin? No, no. You know, like, it's horrible. It's horrible. I, it is, it is crazy. For me, it was a subtle thing. Like literally I woke up that in the middle of the night and when I start to get sick, like if it's an upper respiratory thing, it's this thing, like it, it does feel like a sinus thing and I can feel it. it sounds weird, but on the roof of my mouth. And I thought, uh Oh, so I'm literally like chugging the elderberry extract. <laughs> like, cause it usually would work at the first sign of any sort of ailment. I'm like, Oh, I'm taking the elderberry. And literally it would thwart that and airborne. They would thwart the things, right. That nothing was working on this. So I just, I'm like, okay. Um, and I guess I would say, you know, obviously it's, this is the crazy thing about this coronavirus. It is different for everybody and there's no right. way to say. So I just think stay healthy, build your right. immune system, eliminate stress. I, I truly believe I was so stressed at that time and had, had it not been that perfect storm of, you know, stressed, like what's going to happen, um, uh, probably my immune system wasn't at its best. I don't know if I would have had the same af- uh, effect. And obviously it's a viral, the viral load, like I didn't think my husband had it and, you know, we weren't, we weren't quarantining from one another those. And he, he was only, you know, down for the count for three days. So I don't know how long he was, you know, symptomatic right. or carrying that right like the spreader he's my spreader oh and i but i don't even think scientists like we're not going to know this for a long time like why it affects people differently like we have two boys I, i'll just briefly say we two uh boys from um my town went to osu both of them got it one of them basically, as far as we know, fine after a couple of weeks, the other one in the hospital with this, and I'm going to, I'm going to mispronounce it with this Guillain-Barre oh, where yeah. he's having trouble, you know, he's, he might have to relearn how to walk. So you just, you, you just never know. You just never know. So I realize this is a pretty tall order of a question, but <laughs> I guess my last question, seeing that you've had this experience, what advice, is there any advice you would have for those of us like me <laughs> to carry us <laughs> through if we do get this, the worst news uh, that either ourselves or a loved one has it? 
So I think the best thing, especially because of the way that this can spread so fast, I know it's terrible, but I think if you can isolate as soon as possible, because you, you are going to, and this was that Facebook post, it was, and I'm not a sherry person like this, um, but I felt compelled to like, I have so many, I think of my sisters who are, who are single and some of my single friends. I'm like, I don't know how you weather this alone. So I was like, you guys start making soup and put it in the freezer, like have a stockpile, right? Like that, just silly things. If you have pets, like kind of figure out, have a little survival game plan for like, if you're alone or, you know, like what happens, but you know, in your case, Sarah, I would tell you like, definitely at the, at the, I don't think it's bad to be overly cautious, but don't be hypochondriacal, right? Like if you think there's a possibility, sleep in another room and try to limit your, your exposures, all the things they say at the time, you know, they weren't even saying wear the mask. Right. Right. Um, right. You really had it early. Like yeah. you really like yeah, it was at the you were one of the first people I, in Ohio that, that I know that no, I, but I won't because I didn't get a test. Right. Like, I don't know that it's counted in those stats. So when I see all those numbers, I'm like, okay, to me, and you can't get crazy in the numbers. I'm a person that does, but it's the hospitalizations and the death rates that I would, you know, that would kind of tell me, okay, what's, what's happening with this in, in real world terms, like mm-hmm. how, how severe, um, like how is this playing out? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I just think try to plan and be smart and um, don't overreact, but on the plus side, do all the things you need to do to stay healthy. And honestly, I think it's so hard because we are juggling so much with work from home, our kids learning at home in, in a lot of instances, and you're trying to, you know, maybe you're dealing with a, um, you know, a spouse or, or someone that's unemployed and just all these, the mental stress, like that takes a toll on you so hard. Try to not let that seep in and do your best to put your, I hate, I think it sounds so cliche, but put yourself first. Cause if you, you've got to like mentally, you got to be in the place. Cause if it does happen, you'll be able, most people will survive this, this, this experience, but it, it shook me. I'm not going to lie. It shook me and it reframed how I, how I think about things and mm-hmm. um, how I prioritize stuff. Sure. Sure. But, but the fear is, you know, something to, you know, the fear and the angst over it, like as much as you can keep a cool head as you <laughs> soldier through and don't, you know, yes. maybe don't yeah. go on social media for a while. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. Mm. No. no, unless you're going to look at like, you know, the Dodo and, and, pictures of puppies like happy 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 things right 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 and whatever you do there is someone did make a card that says i don't know who needs to read this but don't get in an argument with your mother's friends on facebook like (laughs) so true So anyway, it was so, it was so nice to see you. And, um, I, you know, now of course I'm kicking myself that I didn't come and visit you in the, it, <laughs> at, I almost said at Dunder Mifflin at Millcraft. <laughs> Um, when I could, your studio was amazing. Uh, you know, it was all, it was always amazing to be able to walk in there and see like all this paper knowledge, like neatly arranged and, you know, um, just, it's just such a resource. Um, I'm very sorry. I didn't take as much more advantage of it. And hopefully when this is all over, we can actually like hang out in the same room. (laughs) Definitely. I mean, that's the cool part when it's over. I think we'll all be ready to be um 
be around people again. Community has never been more important. I'm so grateful for that because I think that that it has strengthened our community and um, the things we sort of took for granted, you know, like, oh, I can catch up with Sarah. Like we're both in Cleveland. Right. I'll see her anytime. We're going to get together. Yep. Yep. It, it, <laughs> it becomes more important now, but we will definitely be doing more fun events and stuff once we emerge from, from all of this. All right. Awesome. Well, thank you again. Thanks, Sarah. Thank you so much for coming on the Paperful, Jill. I so appreciate your sitting down with me the day before Thanksgiving of all days. I always love collaborating with you, and hopefully this podcast episode is one of many upcoming projects. Thank you so much again. Finally, thank you so much for listening. As always, email me at sarahatthepapernerd.com with anything I can do for you. And if you are liking what you are hearing, please subscribe and leave me a good rating and review. I can't tell you how much that helps. Thank you so much, paper peeps. Please stay well. Mm-hmm.